It's great to be with you. Um, so this feels odd because I'm introducing myself and I know it's my church family, but um, today I've been invited to speak a little bit about God's heart for young people and a little bit about the charity that I work for, the Seuss Youth Trust. So that's why I've got this t-shirt on and that's why we've got a banner at the back. So yeah, it's, I'm Tim and I work for the Seuss Youth Trust. It's great to be with you. I'll see you next week on Sunday. <laughs> I wonder what's the most inspirational speech you've ever heard. Sasha's going to bring up some slides for us. Perhaps, perhaps it could be uh, this one, okay, who can recognise what we do in life echoes in eternity. Go on, shout it out. Gladiator. Yeah, Maximus, Decimus, Meridius, uh, better known as Gladiator. Perhaps that might be up there. Go on, click on for us, Sasha, we'll, we'll catch up. What about this one? It's a bit trickier. Uh, so this one is, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. Yes, excellent. Professor Albus um, Dumbledore, who, who might struggle to pass an Ofsted inspection, <laughs> but gave us some really good wisdom there. So maybe they come from some great movies, or maybe the best inspirational speech you've uh, heard might come from, from real life. How about this one? I'm not going to try and do the accent. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. I'm really not going to try and do the accent. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Okay. Anyone? Winston Churchill. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well done. And one more for you, Sasha. Thank you. My four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the colour of their character. Martin Luther King, lots of nods around me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, great. I think that's the last one. Is that right? Sasha, there's one more. I can't remember. Oh, there's one more. Excellent. Um, I have ploughed and planted and gathered into barns, and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? Does anyone know? Oh, I've stumped. Uh, yes, Victor. Who, no. I'm going to give you the challenge. Find out. That's going to be your challenge this week. Okay, take it down. You're going to find out. You're going to find out about this wonderful woman who really changed things in the world. Okay. okay. But Sasha can flash up a, a picture. No. Yeah. I think we've stumped. It's good. I'm going to give you the challenge. Go find out this week. Okay, look out the quote. So, Imagine that you are an Israelite born 3,000 years ago, over 3,000 years ago, and you've spent the last 40 years wandering around the region about to, uh, you know, from after your escape from slavery in Egypt. Um, and so you've got your, your commander-in-chief, Moses, okay, and he speaks to God face to face. And news has spread throughout the camp that this is it. You're finally going to be going into the promised land. What kind of inspirational speech has Moses prepared for this moment in history, this moment when your people finally reach the promised land? Is it going to be about a military strategy and the dangerous battles to come? What's going to be his words of wisdom? Well, let's have a read together. If you want to look in your Bibles, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 3 to 9. It will come up on the screen um, as well, but Deuteronomy 6 verses 3 to 9. 
Now, we're just going to read a part of this speech from Moses. This is only a section in which, uh, of a longer bit where he first reads out the law. But let me read for us, starting from verse 3. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this moment in history, Moses, not, rather than doing any great big military strategy, he uses this moment to remind the people of the greatest commandment, to love God with all their heart and soul and strength. And then he says to pass this on to the, the children, the next generation. Why? Why is that forefront in Moses' mind at this crucial moment? Well, Moses knew that the Lord could win any battle that they faced. He had first-hand experience of the seas splitting apart and the Lord bringing deliverance and sweeping away their enemies. It wasn't a question of might on the battlefield, although there would be battles to come. He said he knew is would they remain faithful to God and would the next generation coming through do the same? And I want to look at what that might say to us as a church, the new Israel, as, uh, through these words from Moses, what that, might that say about passing on faith to the next generation? And the first thing I want to notice is Moses' audience. Who's he, who's he speaking to? Is he talking to the soldiers? No. Is he talking just to the parents and gathering the parents and saying, right, we're going to need to pass on faith to the next generation? Or the leaders? No. It's the whole community, the whole group, everybody. He says that this is an altogether thing. He doesn't gather us, the mums and dads for a separate parenting course. He says this is for everyone. It's an old African proverb that says, it takes a village to raise a child. I once knew a church with a small and thriving youth group. And there was one lady who you wouldn't perhaps, if you think of like a youth worker, wouldn't be the first sort of picture perhaps that some of us would think of. Um, her name was Deirdre. She was fantastic, but she wasn't, an upfront leader. She didn't do music, and she didn't do the talks, and she wasn't that mobile in those days. She didn't kind of do the games or anything like that. No, she would sit at the hatch, and she would make tea, and she would listen. And week after week, she'd make tea, and she would listen to young people. And she was the very heart of that youth group. And there was one week when there was a girl who came, and she, the girl had dyed her hair bright pink, like fuchsia bright pink, completely against school dress code, absolutely kind of not going to be allowed. And so she was talking to Deirdre and Deirdre was saying, oh, I like your hair, which probably wasn't what the young person wanted. Um, anyway, and then with the next week, Deirdre came and guess what she'd done? She'd gone and dyed her hair bright pink as a way of connection with this young person. Of course, they absolutely loved it. And it was a moment of connection and they became the best of friends. You know, young people have a special place in God's heart, don't they? Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. 
And at Seuss Youth, we work with young people. We do a lot of our work in local schools. Maybe you carry a heart for young people, but maybe you think, oh, I don't fit the typical mode of somebody who can work with young people or reach out to young people. If you've been discounting yourself for any reason, I'd ask you, just listen to Holy Spirit today. If he's prompting you to say, no, that's you. You don't have to look like everyone else. Then do something about it today. Come and tell me if you want to come and with us with schools and we'll find a way for you to do that. We like to say, come and tell us what you're good at and we'll find, you a, way, find a way for you to do that in schools for Jesus. It might be connecting with the youth here or the children's work here. So the first thing I want us to notice is that this is for everyone. Moses is speaking to everyone. It takes a village to rate a child. Second thing I want us to notice is that Moses paints a picture of hope. Not without warnings, he paints a picture of increase as they look forward to entering a land of flowing with milk and honey. Many people today, right now in our nation, are quite short on hope. Hope's in short supply right now, along with the petrol and along with many other things. And actually, let's face it, it has been a tough few years. You know, we've had COVID-19 pandemic, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the cost of living crisis, the cost of energy crisis, the refugee crisis, the climate change crisis, lots and lots of crises. And young people tell us about the impact that this has had on their, their outlook on life. In a workshop we do with young people about stress, we ask them about kind of what they're stressed about, particularly what stands out for them. And young people tell us that, well, it's not just actually my exams or um, you know, peer pressure, and as, as big as those are, but actually they're stressed out about the future. The future, not just their future, the future of the world. Growing up through the, these experiences, it's had an impact on outlook. In fact, this is supported by statistics, um, such as the Good Childhood Report, which tells us that levels of young people's satisfaction with life as a whole in this country are at record lows. To put that in context, the UK now wraps, ranks absolute last place out of 24 European countries surveyed in both life satisfaction and sense of purpose amongst young people. That's a tough statistic. It's shocking. There is a crisis of hope among young people. And some of us in the church, if we're really honest, may be short on hope too. We, you know, we, we may be struggling too. Now, I know this is my church family. I know that there's a healthy congregation here and wonderful things are happening. But if we look around as well at the church in the nation, we might see dwindling numbers and aging congregations around us. And that bothers us because this is the bride of Christ. When the 2021 census results are expected to release soon, it's expected that less than 50% of the UK population will identify as a Christian for the first time. And of course, you and I know that far fewer of that will actually attend a church any given Sunday. Research carried out by our friends over at Youthscape at Luton, they found out that the average youth group now in the UK has shrunk to just three pe young people. Three young people. And two of those are probably related, and they probably don't get on with each other. <laughs> but you think about that for a moment, that picture of that youth group. We're really lucky that there's a thriving youth group here. That New Day trip looked phenomenal, and it, I'm really blessed by that. But picture those three young people in, in a room. If one of them's away ill, what does that look like for a leader? It's tough. It's really tough. It's about this time I, I remind you that this, this talk is actually called Inspire Hope. Because we believe. We believe in hope, don't we? Do we? Yes, we believe in hope. We, we believe in a God of hope. 
we know the end result. We know that he wins. He's the king of all creation. And we get to see as well that God is a work alive today. And at Seuss Youth, we get to see that a lot in schools, how God is impacting the lives of young people. Young people like Charlotte, for example. Charlotte, we first met her in year seven, and she'd been bullied, and she was struggling with high anxiety, and she, she was having a tough time. And so she took part in one of our um, pastoral groups. We run some pastoral groups for young people to help them to work through whatever they're facing and give them some practical strategies, some coping strategies to move forward in their lives. Charlotte, in that safe environment, opened up, spoke about her experiences, and she really grew in confidence and found her voice. Her anxiety lessened, and she enjoyed school a lot more. She also took part in one of our curriculum lessons. We get the chance to go into some uh, lessons and speak a little bit about what do Christians believe on different topics as relevant for the curriculum. And so Charlotte um, was in one of our lessons called Who is Jesus? And um, learned a little bit about, about the Christian faith. Now, Charlotte was not from a, a Christian family, but her grandfather had had faith and she knew that, she, that he'd been a Christian. And so she was curious to find out more and she came along to a lunch club to find out a little bit more that we were running in her school. Skip forward a few years, she's now just finished year 11. Charlotte has begun praying, reading the Bible for herself, and she now attends a youth group as part of a local church and describes herself as a Christian for the first time in her life. Don't you long for more stories like Charlotte's? Don't you pray for more and more young people to, in this area to find hope and wholeness through Jesus? We do, and we're about reversing those trends that we've seen around us. So if we are the new Israel and the reports of a growing secularization of culture and dwindling church and, uh, churches and a generation of young people who have apparently, I'm inverted commas here, given up on the church, they're maybe the giants in the promised land. Whose reports are we going to believe? <laughs> yes. Not the spies that say there are giants in the land. No, we believe, this, we believe the reports that say, no, our God is on the throne as we heard. Thank you, Tina. The God of the angel armies has not changed, so we believe in hope. Back to our passage, the final thing I want us to notice is the way the community is encouraged to pass on their faith to the next generation. How are they meant to do that? Well, from verse 7, let's read. Impress these teachings on your children. So this isn't a passive thing. There's intention about it. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. I think that's kind of all of the time. It's hard to kind of think of a moment you're not doing one of those things or something like that. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and of your gates. This is a visual thing, and it's every day, weaved into the fabric of, of our life. It's probably not going to look exactly like that for you now, though feel free. But, it might, but actually, thinking about how is this part of the everyday life? It's not a once-a-week Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. So young people need to observe and have a window onto real, everyday faith. Think about a young person that we work with called Anna. Now, Anna, her dad left the family home when she was four years old. Um, he'd been addicted to alcohol and had actually driven the family into debt, sadly. And since then, Anna's interactions with her dad had been sporadic and they'd been painful, very difficult. Um, she was struggling with anxiety and compulsive behaviors, and as a result of, of everything that she'd been through. So again, Anna took part of one of our groups, and at this point, when she just started the group, she found out that her dad was dying. And she felt sad, and she felt confused. 
there was much that she wanted to say, but she wasn't sure how to go about it and how it would be received. So we gave Anna some practical coping strategies to face some of the things that she was going through. But most of all, we just gave her a bit of space to process how she felt and what she wanted to do. And she decided that she wanted to write her dad a letter. She didn't want things to end as they were. So she poured out her heart for nine pages, and then her mum drove her across town, and she put it through the letterbox, and then she legged it, and she waited. And a few days later, her dad rang. He'd read the letter, and he wanted to talk. And things still weren't easy, but they both had painful memories from what had gone before. But still, for the first time, her, da her dad was able to say sorry for some of the things that had happened. And that was a massive breakthrough. And Anna had found the courage and resilience to reach out and start that conversation. And she was so pleased that she did. Anna had learned more practically than I think I will ever know what forgiveness really looks like. Everyday real faith. And at Sister Youth, we talk a lot about discipleship. We, we long to see this next generation of young people living out at their faith in practical ways. Not all young people that we meet and work with will, will explore a Christian beliefs in their time with us. And that's fine, but some will. And we want to invite young people to participate rather than spectate, to be involved and engage with faith. How can we help young people to practice their Christian faith? Think about um, a young person called Adam. Now, uh, he was part of a, a youth group that we were doing, and he um, had never read a Bible before, apart from in RE, never ever touched the Bible, but he was, he was part of this Christian youth group. And we asked them also of, like, where they were at the Bible, and he was beautifully honest. He just said, I've never read a Bible. I don't want to read a Bible. We offered him a Bible, and he said, no thanks, I don't want a Bible. <laughs> Okay, that's where you're at. You're in a Christian youth group. You understand that? Um, and so that's where he started. But we, we still we said, okay, well, as a whole, let's explore the Bible together. What we're going to do, and we, we went quite big. We said, okay, let's, let's give it a go at reading Mark's gospel. I'm going to do that every day for the next 100 days. 100 days we'll read through Mark's gospel together. And we set up a, a, um, a way of doing that um, online so they could write their reflections after each one and engage with it in that way. Not many of the young people made it that far through, okay? which was what they told us about what they thought of the Bible, but some did. And Adam jumped in, and he kept reading. 30 days in, he was still reading every day. 60 days in, he was still engaging with Mark's gospel, reflecting. You, know, you suddenly realize there's things in it that it starts with demons. You, you go, oh, yeah, I've got to explain that. It starts big. But... This is a young person who's never engaged with Scripture before, reading it every day. We want to give young people practical tools to say, okay, what does this look like? Let's practice this together. Let's explore this. Let's not make this just a Sunday thing. Adam now has his own Bible. He absolutely loves it. We, um, he's and he's, he's moved on loads, and he's still part of that youth group and, and goes every week. I'm coming into land. When Moses wanted to prepare the people for entering the promised land, he didn't give them a big military talk or strategy. He said, remain faithful to God and pass on your faith to the next generation. And I believe that God's calling us, the new Israel, the church, to do the same. Everyone has a part to play. It takes a village to raise a child as we model what an authentic, everyday faith looks like and invite young people to participate in that, not spectate. So what about you? I wonder what... God's stirring in you for young people. Perhaps he's spoken to you about getting involved in some kind of way. 
want to say, if you haven't yet been introduced to Peter and Ruth Robertson, who is out at the back, they would love to hear from you. If you would love to get involved with the youth work in this church, there'd be, there'd be fantastic opportunities to do that. If you feel like, yeah, actually, that's something I could give some time to, they would really appreciate that. That could be joining an amazing team because you've seen what an amazing group of young people we have. And don't we have an amazing group of young people here at this church? So maybe God's stirring to do something in that. Maybe you have some time in the week and you'd love to connect with us at Suster Youth. You'll have found a little purple card on, on your chair. Fill that in just if you want to hear from us in any kind of way. That's a good way to connect with us. If you've got an email address, um, that's a good way to, get, um, to be connected in. You can receive some updates of what's going on. Maybe you've got some time and you want to volunteer. That's an option. Or you just want to hear about us and pray for us. We really appreciate prayer. Prayer opens up doors. Prayer is where the action is. Perhaps you want to support us. There's opportunities to do that as well. If you want to financially bless us as a charity, and we are a charity and that's how we work, again, there's opportunities to do that. There's things at the back you can do that for that. However you want to connect, I want to just encourage you again to reflect on God's heart for young people and how you can help pass on faith to the next generation. Why don't we finish with a prayer? Father God, You've called us to love you with our whole heart, soul, and strength, and to pass on faith to our children and young people. Thank you that with you there is always hope for every individual young person and for every generation. Fill us with your hope and love for this generation of young people. May we carry your heart. Help us all in whatever capacity we serve to love young people and to grow your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. <clears throat> All week, I've been living in a sort of film. And uh, every time I've seen a bit of film, and then I forget about it until the next time that I see it. And I see another bit of film, and then I forget about it and move on. The first thing I saw in the film was a whole crowd of people. And they were all cheering, so let's cheer. They were all waving. This will be a little harder. They were all dead. Dead dead because they were the great crowd of witnesses of the book of Hebrews and in line with so many prophetic words over open door they were standing on the edge of a dock and they were cheering and they were waving and there was a warship and the anchor was being lifted up and it was being released from the side of the dock. And they were all cheering and they were waving because they knew the crew on this ship was equipped. It wasn't, it wasn't brand new recruits. It wasn't people that knew what they were doing. It was experienced people who knew how to run a warship, who knew how to make it effective, who knew how to move it forward. And the chains were breaking and the boat was being released from the dock. 
and it was heading out of harbour. And I believe that God's saying to us, this is a day of change. This is a day when the boat is leaving the harbour. And we have a huge crowd of witnesses cheering us on. We have the power of the Spirit within us. We have the authority of the Father. We have the blood and the cross of Jesus to take out. And as the ship turned and headed for the entrance of the harbour, I saw in the far distance, there was like a war. There was flashes. There was lightning. There was uh, <coughs> sort of shells. There was, there was a war. And there were ships that were getting smashed and broken. There were people in lifebuoys floating on the sea. There were people in lifeboats. But they were lost. They didn't know. They couldn't do anything. They were struggling. And as this warship turned and headed out of the harbour, so it began to fire the shells into the enemy. And it began to push them back. And they began to move back leaving this vast crowd of people floating on the sea, aimless, hopeless. But behind the warship, there were, it was pulling multitudes of little boats. And in each of the little boats, there were people there, ready to pull these people out from the water and put them in the boat. And I believe God is saying to us, it's giving a notice from heaven. This is a day of change. We've seen our young people lead us through. We've heard how God has encountered them. They've come back with life and energy which has inspired many of us. But we are no longer in the harbour. We are no longer jumping on and off of the harbour. He is commissioning us again to go into the world to bring his salvation. He's commissioning us again as Tim has spoken today. He is reminding us again as Tina did that he is on the throne we are here for his purpose. We are not here to serve ourselves, but to serve him. We do not have the strength ourselves, but he has given us everything that we need, not only for life and godliness, but to take the gospel into the world. There is a commissioning from God today that as we have been inspired and lifted up to focus our eyes on him and on the harvest, to shape our lives according to his purposes and his harvest, to reach up again with a fresh faith in his promises for each and every one of us, for his promises over the church and for his promises that the fields are ready and ripe for harvest. 
as we go into a new season of new groups, as we go into another week of prayer, as we, as we see our young people flourishing, as we are stirred again, it is a notice from heaven. We are moving out of the harbour, but we are not alone. The crowd is there cheering us on. God is with us at the helm. We have to play our part. But it's a part that is empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you, as a church, come and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Come and let new hope rise up within us. New confidence in your plans and purposes. A new certainty of being anointed by your Spirit to boldly proclaim your good news. To be a people Demonstrating holiness, demonstrating love, open to your leading. God, come. Come, empower us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.